Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Thrilled to have you today. Man, do we got another big show. What a week we're having here. On Raider Nation Radio, we are going to go live to the Mike Mayock press conference as soon as that hits the air. Mike Mayock is speaking, the general manager of the Raiders, coming up momentarily. Uh, You'll be able to listen here live on the flagship station, brought to you by Golden Entertainment. As you know, they own PTs, 64-plus taverns here in Vegas, the Stratosphere, Arizona Charlies, open, open, open for business Best happy hour in town. So the Mike Mayock press conference, which we are going to, which is loading right now. Bobby tells me to get to it. Let's go out to the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center in Henderson. Mike, uh, Chris Matthews here with the CBS here in Las Vegas. I appreciate this. I was just wondering, I was listening the other day to NFL Network, and I thought it was an interesting conversation they had with um, with uh, J.J. Watt going to the uh, Cardinals. And they talked about the Raiders do the Raiders have a, a person like a DeAndre who can that has cachet in the locker room that can maybe help attract those kind of free agents? Do you need a guy that has that kind of cachet? And and in your opinion, who might have who might be that person in the Raiders locker room that you can that can reach out to these other uh, free agents and say, hey, come to Vegas. This is the place to be. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation, and, and I think uh, I think the guy that has the most cachet is our head coach. And I get questions about John Gruden all the time by people all over the country. And uh, I think John has a special persona about him. I think Derek Carr has earned a lot of respect around this league from an awful lot of people. Uh, and I think in this day and age where players spend more time from, from opposing teams, you know, through social media and whatever, players are always hanging out, talking, sending messages back and forth. I think in this day and age, there's more of that than there ever was. In the old days, it used to be kind of guys talking together at the Pro Bowl. You know, today it's all day, every day. All 32 teams, the players interact all the time. So I, I do think we have some guys that are highly respected throughout the league, and I think uh, the fact that John Gruden is who he is, the city of Vegas is what it is, uh, it's kind of an interesting recruiting tool for us. Hey, Mike, Jerry McDonald. Uh- what can you tell us about any transactions that may or may not have been made leading up to the new league year? There's one out there real recently that says Gabe Jackson has been informed of his release. Yeah, Jerry, there's really nothing I can tell you at this point. Uh, you know, all the Raider business is going to stay with the Raiders. And when it comes time to announce a transaction, we will. Uh, I'm a big believer that all those things should be handled between the team and the player. And therefore, I can't confirm or deny anything. Hey, Mike. Uh, obviously, you know every offseason is crucial, but especially you know going into year three and you all trying to make the playoffs this year. Of course, um, what's just your overall kind of goal going into this offseason from a personnel standpoint? You know, considering both what you have to do in free agency and the draft. I want us to be really solid. I want us to make good decisions both in free agency and the draft. Um, you know, the free agency thing is different this year, and you guys talk about the salary cap all the time, I'm sure. If, if you go back two years and say where was the cap going to be this coming season, 
the answer would have been plus, plus or minus $225 million. And we're looking at 180 today. It's simple math. So the reality is every team in the league is going through conversations like never before as far as what's the best composition of your locker room, uh, where do we have to make moves, how do we make those moves. And to me, it always just goes back to you got to be really good in the draft and you got to build your team through the draft. And we've got to be, I think, smarter in free agency, better in free agency. Uh, and we've got to complement that with a really solid draft. Mike, you guys made a pretty big investment in Trent Brown a couple years ago, and he hasn't been able to get on the field as much as you'd like. What do you need to see from him this offseason to be able to be confident you can go forward with, with him? Yeah, Trent's whole thing is when he's, when he's healthy, in shape, and ready to go, he's as dominant as any tackle in football. And he proved that early in the 2019 season. Since then, it's been kind of a roller coaster. So really what he needs to do, I think more than anything, is get himself in the best shape of his life and come out ready to prove that he is a dominant tackle in the National Football League. And, and really that's all it takes. If, if, if Trent gets in shape and stays committed, there's, there's not a better talent out there. Hey, Mike. <clears throat> Good to see you. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, defense, you know, hasn't performed to the level that you guys have wanted it to. Uh, the last couple of years and knowing what a crapshoot, you know, the draft can be and, and even to a certain extent free agency, do you sort of, you know, just because of the numbers and the way they work kind of, you know, go after defense as aggressively as maybe ever knowing that, you know, obviously not every draft pick is going to work out, but if you have sort of more invested on that side of the ball, the more likelihood that you will get, you know, more productive and impactful players on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think, you, obviously, I think every team's self-aware. You know, what are our needs? How do you go about it? Can you fix some of them in free agency? If so, it's a little bit easier to target the draft. Um, so when you go into the draft, I, th I think the, the key to the draft is taking good football players every round. And it's, that oversimplifies it. Uh, but if you use some common sense, and, and you've got an offensive player and a defensive player that are graded approximately in that same range. Uh, and, and maybe that defensive player fits a need. Well, let, let's go get them. Uh, the flip side to that is if you're on the board in the third or fourth round or wherever, and there's an offensive player that's sticking out like a sore thumb because his grade is significantly higher than any of the defensive needs. I, I think you dilute the overall talent of your team if you don't take that offensive player. So really, I think it comes down to just trying to have as, the most thorough understanding that you can of where the, the strengths and weaknesses of the draft are, understand what league value is, and then try to have a little ability to move up and down the board, trade up, trade down, and try to take advantage of it to the best you can. Mike, this is Hondo Carpenter. With the pandemic and all the limitations in scouting getting ready for the draft, how significantly does it help you in your in your team, which are known to be so extremely thorough? Uh, you know, a year ago, if you told me that we were going to be back in uh, COVID restrictions in the offseason, I, I, I don't even know if I would have made it to today. Um, so the frustrations of last year, you know, did we learn any lessons? And, and I think it's important, especially for me, to kind of look back to last year in the draft and say, did we, did we make any mistakes? And I think sometimes, 
you know, we, I think we thought that we were in a good place because all seven of our picks were in the first four rounds in a COVID year. And I think if you look back at it and you go, in a COVID year, should you be picking guys that perhaps are a projection from one position to another? You know, we took the kid from Kentucky in the third round and ended up trading him to Miami before the season started. That was a projection. He was a college slot receiver and a quarterback, and we tried to move him to running back in a pandemic year. And to be honest with you, I don't think it was fair to the kid. You know, we don't even see him face-to-face -face live until training camp in July. Um, you take Amik Robertson in the fourth round. He was an outside corner. And even though it doesn't sound like a big change to go to nickel, in a COVID year with no reps, trying to learn run fits in the corner or the nickel position that he never had to do before, that's asking a lot. So basically what I'm saying is that I think in a COVID year, you've got to be nimble and you've got to learn lessons and you've got to, you've got to try to leverage the draft for whatever you can. And right now, I mean, I had meetings again yesterday with all my, we had 11 or 12 days in a row with all the scouts, uh, draft meetings, they're gone now. But uh, what we talked about was trying to be flexible, be nimble. All 32 teams are under the same set of rules. So it's up to us to answer all those questions. Like the, for instance, the medical is gonna be difficult this year for all 32 teams. It's gonna come in late and it might not be as finite. We still have to get our answers. You can go to pro days, but you can't talk to players face to face. Well, we're gonna travel all over the country, including myself, to watch kids work out live. I can't put them on the board. I can't take them out to dinner. I can't do anything to get to know this kid more. And, and that for me is the biggest part because I think trying to get to know what's important to the kid. It's like if any of you guys have college age kids and you're worried about their fit, you know, what college fits for them coming out of high school. And that's, that's kind of the way I try to look at it. What's the best fit for the, do we fit for this kid? Is he fit in our building? And if you don't get face to face with him, it's hard. You can do all the Zooms you want. You know, we're doing Zooms right now. I, I guess you guys, but I think you guys would rather sit here and we could have a conversation face to face and you'd probably get a little more out of it. This is the Mike Mayock press conference on the Raider flagship, Raider Nation Radio. Very outspoken in your support of Derek and what you think he does for your team and your franchise. I was wondering a person in your position, when perceived very elite top five guys supposedly are available, no matter how good you feel by a guy, is it incumbent upon teams to make calls on guys or to see what the deal might be? Or you say, no, my guy's the guy. I don't need to make that call. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> you, you're, you're a wordsmith right there. That was well done. Uh, obviously, I can't talk about anybody else's players, so I won't. I'll just talk about Derek, and I'm going to tell you the same thing I've told you guys the last couple of years, which is I think Derek Carr had his best year yet under John Gruden. Uh, I, I think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, and we couldn't be happier with him. And I tell you every year, I mean, we evaluate every position every year. I have no idea who, can, who, who might call me or who might not call me. So you have to do the evaluations both on your own players and every other player in the league. And you got to stack your boards and understand what league value is all around the league. And we do that. But if you're asking me about Derek, I mean, I think John and I would both stand shoulder to shoulder and pound the table for Derek Carr. I'm Mike Levi Damon, USA Today. I mean, obviously, you guys have a lot of your own free agents to think about, you know, pending free agents, as it were. Um, how are those negotiations going, and should we expect to see some more extensions before March 17th? I think you probably can expect to see just about everything. Uh, 
you know, when, when you're talking about a salary cap of plus or minus $180 million, you know, we, we talked about that a little bit before. So you, you're, you potentially could be talking to players about restructuring their contracts. Uh, you could be talking about releasing players. You can be talking about trading players. And the way I look at it, it's, it's kind of a big jigsaw puzzle. And there's no one finite answer. But congruently, you've got to put it all together and make it make sense both economically and to put the best and most competitive football team on the field. So I think between now and March 17th, yeah, you're going to see every team in the league making a lot of moves. Mike Levi Edwards, uh, the past couple of years, you spent a lot of time and attention towards your secondary with someone that has much experience and expertise in the secondary as you. Is there any other prospects that jump out to you uh, that you think maybe would or would not be a good fit for the Raiders, just good secondary players coming out that you, that really impress you? What do you mean by that? Are you talking about in the uh, – are you asking me to name some players in the draft or what are we talking about? In the, in the draft, yes, sir. Uh, I, I think in the draft this year, you know, as you said, we, we've expanded some resources in our secondary. You know, we've, we've got a, a first-round safety in John Abram. We've got a second-round corner, uh, and it, who it, we think is going to be a very good football player. Uh, we've got a fourth-round corner in Amik Robinson, another first-round corner uh, in Damon Arnett. You know, and we mentioned Trayvon Mullen in the second, who we think is going to be a heck of a player. So, really... Um, what we need more than anything is for all those players to take it up a notch or two. And I'm talking about commitment to the game, work ethic, perseverance, being in the locker room, working with your brothers. All those things are critical. We've expended some draft capital on what, what we think are some very talented players. Uh, and, and now all of them need to take a collective step forward. So. The draft this year, again, we know we need to get better on defense, and we're going to make, uh, we're going to get after it, trying to get better on defense, both in free agency and the draft. But I couldn't tell you today where we're, where we're going to be on any defensive backs. Hey, Mike, uh, Vinny from the Review Journal. Um, two questions. Uh, do you expect to be um, active in free agency? I know that there's limitations with the salary cap. Some moves need to be made. But do you expect to be active in free agency? And also, as it relates to, to Trent Brown, um, in, in reading between the lines, it sounds like he's going to be back. Um, is that the case? Do you is is Trent Brown going to be the right tackle uh, next year as you sit here today? So, uh, question number one: How active can we be in free agency? I I think we're going to be active. The question is at what level? You know, we've been active players on day one and day two in the last couple of years. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of depth in the free agency market this particular year. I think there are going to be more veterans out there on the market, and I think. Uh, it's incumbent upon us to be patient. Uh, would we take a shot at a high-level high player, too? Sure, if, if we believed in the person and, and had the money available. But right now, I don't even know how much money we will or won't have available. That jigsaw puzzle is still taking place. But one way or another, I think we'll be active in free agency. I don't know if it'll be day one or week one or month one. But at some point, I would expect us to try to fill some holes in free agency. Uh, regarding Trent, you know, the jury's still out here. I, you know, he's under contract. And again, we believe in the talent of that player. And uh, there'd be nothing finer than, you know, have Trent Brown at right tackle protecting Derek Carr next year, week one. 
Uh, but the jury's out, and we still have to make some decisions on our roster in general. You're listening to Mike Mayock, the GM of the Las Vegas Raiders on the Raiders' flagship station. How does it compare to previous years, the recent years, I guess? Uh, uh, I think the pass rusher class uh, in the first, say, three or four rounds is kind of intriguing. And I think there's different flavors in the top end. And I think he can get down into the third, fourth round and find some guys that maybe were at the Senior Bowl and some other places where you go, they're pretty intriguing role rushers. Um, so uh, I think my, my impression coming out of our draft meetings is there's better depth to the outside edge class than I thought there was going to be. You had a lot, a lot of guys in this draft who opted out and didn't, didn't play last year. What are the challenges of scouting those guys and try to sort of project where they will be in 2021 after not seeing them on the field for a year? Yeah, it's an intriguing question, and there's a lot of layers to that. Um, and part of it is just trying to find out why the kid opted out, you know, and you can't discount a kid because he opted out, but you'd like to know why. You know, you look at kids, for instance, in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, and those conferences were told that they weren't going to play football. And a lot of kids went and signed with agents and went to work out. And then several weeks later, they came back and said, whoa, wait a minute, we're going to play some football. And a lot of the kids said, well, I'm already, I'd have to pay an agent back money. Uh, I'm already getting trained for the draft. It doesn't make sense. You can't knock them for that. They're, they're trying to get themselves ready for the next 40 years of their lives. And uh, so, you know, why did a kid opt out? Did he have uh, sick parents at home? Did he have to get a job? Uh, there's some differentiations in that whole opt out thing uh, to, that I think you have to get to the root of why did the kid opt out number one? And then beyond that, it comes down to, okay, no film on them or mid-year opt-out or bowl opt. There's all kinds of levels of opt-out last year. So some of these guys, you have to go back to 2019 and you got to get on Zoom calls with them and, and just kind of, you know, we've got our coaches right now uh, watching all this game tape and cross-checking our scout evaluations on the college players. And, you know, a lot of their questions are coming up to be like, why'd this kid opt out? What tape do I go see? Did he play in 20? Did he play in 19? So, it, again, it just, this whole COVID-related draft process, it just, uh, the information gathering is more difficult, but certainly not impossible. Yeah, Mike, I'm curious. You talked, you sort of peripherally addressed this, I think. But after a year of a, the COVID year with no fans in the stands and revenues are down, um, is it your understanding that you'll be able to make a big strike in free agency if you want to, that the actual cash will be there, not necessarily the, the um, salary cap money? Look, I, I mean, when I'm talking about free agency here, I'm talking about not knowing how many dollars I have available, we have available as an organization. And I mentioned the jigsaw puzzle. I mentioned the fact that the Raiders and every NFL team lost a bunch of money last year. So we're starting with the cap implications, less than, ca less than cash. As far as cash is concerned, if you're asking if we're going to go cash over cap, that's a different conversation, and I don't have the answer on that. Uh, I don't know how many dollars we're going to have in free agency, and when I say we're going to be active, my point is uh, we've got some holes we'd like to fill in free agency, and again, it might be day one, it might be the third week, you know, when things calm down and there's still veteran players out there that are good football players, we're just going to have to marry up our available resources with the market. And right now it's too early to tell you what that's going to look like.
Mike, uh, a relative to that market, uh, it seems like there's some depth at free safety uh, in free agency. Uh, we, we have to see who's actually hits the open market. But uh, when you talk about there are names that are pending free agents. Uh, uh, have you taken a look at that position and, and where do you feel uh, the depth is there at free safety potentially uh, in free agency at, at that position? Well, yeah, we've obviously looked at every position and, uh, you know, free safety is an interesting one. And, you know, in, in Gus Bradley's system, you know, it's a little bit different in that you, you, you typically are looking at a true free safety and a true strong safety. You know, and uh, Abram could be probably considered more of that strong safety. And, you know, at free safety, we're going to have to answer some questions. You know, we've got Jeff Heath. Uh, Eric Harris is a free agent. You know, we've got some guys that have played some football for us. But whether it's a draft or free agency, that's a position we've got to be very aware of. And we are. Mike, obviously, the uh, you know the draft process is being affected again by the COVID, as you've mentioned. But how much, based on what you've heard, how much promise do you think there is that the rest of the offseason, the OTAs, training camp, mini camp, and whatnot, will be closer to what we what we know from more normal? Yeah, here's what I would tell you. Um, technically, uh, OTAs and everything are still on. We haven't gotten any word that they aren't. We're preparing for that. Um, I would make a side comment that uh, there's a lot of talk out there that we don't need OTAs, that we don't need preseason games. And all I would tell you as an old man is that development of young players is key to the future of this game. We don't have any kind of developmental league anymore. Um, and I know certain veteran players don't really need OTAs like young players do. but. I'm telling you, without OTAs in preseason, trying to get these young players up to speed at a certain level is really difficult. And all 32 teams are, are uh, going to play under the same rules. I completely understand and, and appreciate that. But I think that anybody that doesn't think OTAs and preseason games are critically important to the development of our youth um, aren't really looking at the picture correctly. This is Mike Mayock, the GM of the Las Vegas Raiders' press conference in Henderson. Mike, we know that the pandemic and the negativity that how it's impacted the game of football, not minimizing that, but have there been some silver linings, maybe some things that have come out of the pandemic restrictions that when things get back to normal, you can say, hey, that benefited us. Is there any of those positives that come out of it? Well, I think every team in the league did a nice job with uh, the Zoom calls last year. I don't think it ever substitutes for face-to-face, -face, but I think we've learned that in the quest for information, if we need to get uh, a Zoom call with a young man or a coach, we can do that and get information from there. I, I think that's fair. Um, as far as the rest of the pandemic, you know, it, it's, I'll tell you, it's been tough. Playing in empty stadiums. Like, I couldn't believe the lack of energy in the buildings. Just to have 15,000 people in Kansas City or, or 12 in Cleveland made a difference. I was blown away by that. You know, you've got to bring your own energy into these empty stadiums. It was kind of crazy. I hope we never have to deal with that one again. Um, I, th I think, you know, we went to the Senior Bowl this year, and Jim Nagy, an ex-scout, all by himself, was able to put together a Senior Bowl with over 100 players and he did it impeccably. Nobody got 
we, we all got tested every day. He had interviews at night, and this is kind of to your question. We had interviews at night with plexiglass up and all. He ran over 100 players through over a four-night period, and we got, every team in the league got a 15-minute interview with every player safely, and it was done extremely well. And I think we're, we're pro, this, I think a lot of the senior bowl is going to get changed, <coughs> excuse me, based on that process. So I do think some things came out, uh, technology-related and trying to streamline things. But at the end of the day, I would tell all of you guys, you know, there is no substitution for face-to-face -face in everything we do. Hey, Mike, a couple of questions real quick here. Just kind of curious. Uh, we, we ran into Nelson Aguilar the, uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was doing a community event here in Las Vegas. Seems to really like Las Vegas, at least on surface, what he's telling us, whatever. But any any progress on that negotiation? Also, the other one I was asking about is, you mentioned the stadium and just how key that is uh, and how impressive that stadium is, world-class facility. Have you had a chance to bring any people through, any free agents through to kind of wow them or woo them about that building? No, I mean, first with Nelly. I mean, Nelly's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Uh, when I lived in Philadelphia, I did the Eagles preseason games and Nelly was an Eagle. <clears throat> I was familiar with his work ethic and appreciated him back then. Uh, what he brought to the Raiders last year was off the charts. He brought a work ethic, a toughness, he brought the young guys along with him, and he brought productivity and trust with our quarterback. So all of those things he brought, we don't want to lose. We'd love to have Nelly back. I mean, that's, that's a guy that um, I can't tell you how much appreciation I have for. Um, as far as the stadium is concerned, you know, we really haven't had a chance to do anything. Uh, you can't really, the only free agents you can bring in are street free agents. You can't bring in anybody else's property. Uh, so um, we would love to have a quote normal off season where we get guys in here and take them out to dinner and show them that beautiful stadium. I mean, the reality is last year we were six and two on the road and two and six at home. And we can't wait to get back into that stadium where it's full and rocking and we got Raider Nation in there. And, and to us, just the one year I got in Oakland, I can't tell you how much appreciation I had for the fans and how much they truly have a passion for Raider Nation. So uh, that's something we need. We got a big, beautiful stadium, but next year we need to fill it. Hey, Mike, uh, we've talked about how different the draft process will be this year. I'm wondering, you've been through this for a while now, the draft process. Will this be exciting to you, kind of a new challenge, kind of the way it'll be this, this offseason? Or what are your thoughts about just the new the kind of task at hand right now? Yeah, you know, Vic, it's um, what we try to tell our scouts every day is you can bitch and moan about the process all you want, and it's not normal. But our job is to take the process and try to be the best team in the league at whatever it is. So you, you can't moan and say, we're not allowed to talk to the players. Oh, oh, woe is me. Well, let's figure a different way to get that information. And, and we will, and we'll be on a, a thousand Zoom calls and we'll do everything else. Um, what gets me excited though, is um, trying to apply what we learned last year, uh, trying to get better. And more than anything, uh, you guys remember day one, when I walked in this building, we talked about foundation players and what's a Raider fit. And, and that's what we want this year, both in free agency and the draft. We want to bring the right fit of person into this building, and we want to create something special, and we think we're getting close. But no excuses. We're nowhere near there.
All right, so we just lost the feed there. We'll jump back in. JT, back with you as we begin the show today. Uh, That was Mike Mayock, the general manager of the Silver and Black. I thought he gave us a ton of information over the last almost half hour there on what they're going to do in free agency, what they can't do. Mike Mayock continued to talk about the number and what they're trying to figure out, how they'll be under the cap, and they're working the math. At this situation, they'd like Nelson Aguilar back. A Trent Brown, I thought he was very stern with Trent Brown on will Trent Brown be back, and he's got to prove it. So that is what I was expecting to hear, and I think you need to hear that from your GM. And then he talked a little bit about what the offseason's going to be about and the challenges of being a scout, his scouting department, and what he does with COVID protocol. So there was a lot there. We want to hear from the Raider Nation. That's a big deal. A lot of these press conferences with Coach Gruden and Mike Mayock and coaches fall in my time slot as the flagship station. We bring these to you live, and that was a good one. I think Mike Mayock had a lot to say. So we're going to stay on that. I want to hear from you. What did you take from Mike Mayock? What did you get out of that press conference as a Raider fan? 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. Former tackle Chad Slaughter is going to join us. Paul Gutierrez at the top of the hour from ESPN on this press conference and free agency. We got a monster show lined up for you. Three receivers out to the left side of the formation. Lock. In trouble, sprints out, going to go down, sacked at the eight-yard line. Mad Max Crosby in on top of him. Yeah, like a Mad Max, Mad Max play. JT, man, we got a big show. What a week we've had with all the leaders. Yesterday we had on Bill Foley and we had on Alex Tuck. Uh, Tomorrow I have Don Logan on, the president of the Aviators, on what happened with Minor League Baseball getting pushed back for a month. That's a big deal. We are rolling with this show in the offseason. We're thrilled to have Raider Nation on. 702-365-9200. Steph McKenzie will join us. Also, Paul Gutierrez at the top of the hour. And I'm waiting on Peter King. Peter King, how about that? He just texted me and said, yeah, I'm all, he's opening up his schedule. So we got a really big show lined up. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks to Bell Solar the best solar company in town. They are our brand new partner. We are thrilled about Bell Solar and a couple of new partners that are jumping on the show. Uh, Let's get going here. You just heard Mike Mayock. I want to hear what the Raider Nation thinks. Rich in Oakland on Mike Mayock's press conference. What do you think, Rich? Hey, what's up, JT? Um, You know, when it comes to Mike Mayock and Gruden, like from everything that Mike Mayock is telling me, one thing that sticked out to me is that he was talking about our third-round pick, um, what was his name? The QB. Lynn Bowden. Yeah, Lynn Bowden. And that was a terrible pick. Let's just call it, it what was. it is. You know, you know what I mean? Hmm? So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the pick of Amik Robertson either. Uh, I don't like the pick, in theory, on John Abram. I, I don't love the pick after year one. There's a, there's a number of guys that were picked, and you mentioned Bowden, and he's gone. And you swing and miss on some picks, but the other younger players are going to be able to you know, build their reputation. Hey, I want you to stay there. I, I don't want you to wrap up your call. We got a guest on. Put him on hold, Bobby. I want to finish the end of that call because it's important. Because Mike Mayock talked about some of the picks and what they're going to do going forward. Chad Slaughter, kind enough to join us. The former offensive lineman for the Silver and Black, played 
with the Raiders in their last Super Bowl. Chad, good to talk to you again. Really appreciate you doing this. How are you? Oh, man, nice to have you. Appreciate you having me on, JT. How have you been, man? I remember, you know, everybody loved you on this team. You're always happy, smiling, positive. When you were able to step up and start, you were able to do that. And you always came in and you were a leader on that team. Let's talk about your early years with the Raiders when you came to the Silver and Black and the impact it had on your life. Uh, it was it was, uh, it was kind of a surreal thing, you know. Uh, growing up a Cowboy fan uh, here in Dallas, um, we always talked about the Raiders. It was a different thing, you know, being actually being on the team. So, you know, just coming through the doors of the facility and seeing all the, the Raider mystique and, and all the, the Hall of Famers and all the great players that they had on the team currently at the time, uh, man, I was a little bit overwhelmed, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, just playing with guys like Charles Woodson and, and uh, Rod Woodson and Jerry Rice and, and Tim Brown, man, it was an experience that, uh, no one can ever take away from me, man, I, and I really appreciated my time there. Yeah, you played in a great run for the Raiders, uh, AFC Championship Games, the Super Bowl run. I want to start earlier with you in Dallas, Texas. You were a two-way lineman at Kimball. You also were a shot putter and basketball, all districts. So for a big guy, really tall guy with athletic ability, who told you to play multiple sports as a young <laughs> kid so it would help develop you? Uh, you know that's kind of the thing down here in Dallas. Growing up, growing up here in Dallas and on the south side of Dallas, uh, we had a lot of good athletes, and uh, you know it wasn't uncommon for people to play uh, multiple sports. You know, my dad kept me on the jump rope uh, to help my feet, and uh, you know here we picked up basketball pretty quick. So I had been playing basketball actually before I started playing football. So when I started playing football, my feet were already you know pretty good and and you know just playing on all the other teams i every every all the kids in the neighborhood did it so we we played on every team that we possibly could and so not really knowing that it would have a benefit in in another sport chad slaughter is our guest did you feel like you could play professionally or high-end in college at basketball when did you have to make that decision or did you make the decision that you had to go football because you were more talented there um, I, I started off playing football. I came to football. I came to college on a football scholarship. Mm -hmm. And actually I was beating up on guys in the gym, uh, <laughs> on the basketball team. And the coach came and asked me to play. And I was kind of taken back. And he told me that the guys on the basketball team would love to have me and they could use me on the basketball team. And that's how I ended up playing basketball in college. Uh, but I was already established in, in football. But, you know, I didn't think I was established enough to go to the NFL. You know, coming from a small school, you really don't hear that a lot. Uh, you know, that wasn't one of my uh, dreams. I know I worked hard, and, and, you know, I've worked hard to try to be one of the best players, you know, in, in my conference. But never did I think in my wildest dreams that I would be going to the NFL. So, when I got there, it was a little surreal. So, you know, it was a, I was playing with guys that I had idolized, you know, almost, you know, from, um, well, Jerry Rice and Tim Brown. I had watched them playing with these guys on Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was a little, it was a little surreal, man. I, I can't, I can't lie about that. And, and, but, you know, I appreciate that the whole time, um, being there. And even with the head coach, John Gruden, you know, I was, 
you know, we, we he was a highly televised uh, person, a publicized person. So, you know, seeing these people were was 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 kind of you know surreal for me, like I was saying. Chad Slaughter is our guest. Yeah, I want to get into that before we get to the Gruden years and the Super Bowl run. When you got to the Raiders, the mystique of the offensive line, Jim Otto, Art Shell, the great Gene Upshaw, all the players that came before you, did you feel that throughout Davis and the mystique? Because some of the greatest offensive linemen to ever play in NFL history played for the Raiders. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, on top of that, I was wearing one of the greatest players ever uh, to play offensive line's number in, in Art Shell. Yeah. And so – you you know you immediately feel like you have to the to, to, to carry the standard around there. Um, they it's definitely a, a place where you you definitely feel like you're part of a family and you have a responsibility not only to the organization but to you know the outside communities to uphold what the the Raiders stand for. And just walking through the walls of of, of that facility, uh, I'll never forget how it felt. It was a absolute, complete honor to to play there. A lot different from any other team that I played for. Nicely said. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Chad Slaughter is our Absolutely. guest. So let's jump into Rich Gannon and Gruden. What can you tell us about the mystique? of the Gannon work ethic and how hard he was on you guys and the guys that you knew. I, you know, I work with Lincoln Kennedy. I talked to other people. What was great about that unit that you played with and how serious you were, even though you had fun off the field and the focus that you all had to win and play in big games? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Rich Gannon, I think Rich Gannon, the combination of Rich Gannon and Coach Gruden together, along with the other offensive coaches that they had. I didn't realize we had that many coordinators on one team, but uh, <laughs> they were brilliant. They were brilliant. I always tell people I feel like Rich Gannon was was running that offense, uh, the uh, check-with-me offense, very well before, you know, Peyton Manning kind of got credit for that, calling at the line, uh, changing plays up at the line. We were already doing that. It wasn't wasn't uncommon for us to go to the line with multiple plays that you could run and switch and reverse. It was very difficult to a very difficult offense to pick up. Uh, so you couldn't be a guy who couldn't pick up offenses and play uh, with the Raiders at that time. Very dynamic, uh, very very uh, uh, well executed plays and. We went into games with with game plans that were designed to tear any defense apart, and so you had to be dialed in every week. Uh, even as a practice go out player, player, you had an integral part of getting that team prepared for that week, and it was it was tough, but you know it prepared me for any other team that I played for. It was sad to see what happened to Barrett Robbins and. You know, yeah. it's someone that you were close to and you knew up front. Can you tell everybody in his prime how great of a player he was? He was the best center I've ever played with in my entire career. Uh, at any point I've ever played football, he was a very tough, very tough uh, and strong guy. I've never seen anybody be able, you know, from a physical aspect, I've never seen anybody been able to be able to handle a 300-pound nose guard at the point of attack by themselves. He didn't need a combination block at all. 
and, and all while snapping the ball and able to being able to call plays. Very smart and sharp and strong uh, individual. Very intelligent. He was a very uh, good friend, and uh, yeah, it, it hurt me a lot when I found that out. You know about him as far as his uh, health condition. Uh, he was a great guy, a uh, great family man, and uh, and a great friend. Uh, you know, a great guy to play with, and uh, it's just really sad to see. Uh, you know how the tables turn like that. Chad Slaughter's our guest, and I'll follow up with Mo Collins and the work ethic and the friendship you had with him. Yeah, Big Mo was a good friend as well. I was I was very saddened by his uh, the sudden passing yeah. of him. He was one of the guys that kind of took me up under his wing uh, when I got there. I was a couple of years younger than him, so he kind of helped show me the ropes. At the same time, he was tough on me tough on me as well uh you know and uh he kind of set a, a standard for me to kind of you know to follow and and kind of you know break me in as a um even though i wasn't a rookie when I, when i got there uh i still was one of the youngest guys on the line and so you know you know there's a a, a, a rite of passage and the guys took me in you know they worked the hell out of me uh but you know i loved them for it and we were a family and uh uh, rest in peace, uh, Mo Collins, and uh, yeah, I forever love him. Chad Slaughter, as we wrap it up, what's your greatest personal memory as a Raider player? Oh man, <laughs> my greatest memory—I uh, think one that sticks out to mind—is I believe when we played in Kansas City. It may have been on Christmas, and Langston Walker blocked that field goal. I, th- I believe that was the game, yeah. and we we beat them. Was that a, a Christmas game, or maybe? I believe. And he blocked that field goal, and uh, we had worked so hard, you know, that year, you know. And some of our years after the, the Super Bowl wasn't as good, man. But I've made some friendships that'll never be broken. Uh, we played really hard, and so to go into Kansas City and beat them in Kansas City. And the way it happened at the end, that sticks out in my mind. And uh, it wasn't nothing personally that I did, but it was uh, more so a family thing. And and and, I, and we and we beat them as a team. So I'll I'll never forget that. All right, Chad. Once a Raider, always a Raider. You got your legacy brick. Tell everybody what that means to you. What is your life like being known as a Raider, being recognized as a Raider? What does this organization mean to you today? They mean everything to me. My whole house is black on the inside, including me. But uh yeah, it, it's um it's 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 so special, it's a complete honor. Uh I will forever bleed silver and black just for them to recognize a little old guy like me, uh uh figuratively, out of, you know, Dallas, Texas and out of small school. Uh, I really appreciate that because they didn't have to do that. They've always been um uh, very nice to me and my family and and they gave me a chance, uh and you know, Mr. Mr. Davis uh, believed in me, um, and for that, I'm forever in debt to to the Raiders. And I, and you know, even my son loves my youngest son. He's just as a biggest uh, Raider fan as I am. And so, I will bleed silver and black till I die, and I will forever be a Raider, once a Raider, and always a Raider. And I appreciate everything that they've done for me. Wow, I really enjoyed this. I'm happy we could make this happen, and the Raiders alumni department thinks so much of all he is, and you have a great story to tell, and we'll get you a little bit longer on the team podcast and really do a deep dive in what you're doing now, Chad. I really appreciate it. Let's connect out here in Vegas. Thanks for doing this.
Hey, thank you, JT. I appreciate the time. Thank you. You got it. Wow, Chad Slaughter. You know, what a blessing it is to talk to someone like that. And, you know, Chad was there from 2001 to 2006 with the Raiders. And, you know, you don't, I, I didn't get to know him well, but I knew who he was. We're familiar with each other. And you hear what the impact of this team had and what he said about Barrett Robbins and what he said about Mo Collins and Rich Cannon and Gruden back then. Uh, that's a valuable voice for the Raiders as an alumni. That's a valuable voice. That's another guy who's going to come out to Vegas when the stadium opens up and be on the sideline pregame. And I can't wait to shake his hand. Really thrilled that we had an opportunity. All these interviews that we're doing with the alumni, they go up on the Raiders website at Raiders.com, and we put them out at LB Sports Network. Brought to you by Remy Martin Cognac. Team up for success. You know, it's midweek for me. You know, I'm on, I'm on my best behavior midweek. But during the weekend, when I'm kicking back, cigar this weekend and a Remy Martin cocktail, Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Carr back into the gun with Booker alongside. Takes a snap. Carr looking end zone now. Sprinting over to the left. Going to try to run it in. And he's got it across the goal line for a touchdown. Carr touchdown run. JT back with you. Thanks to Chad Slaughter. Hope you enjoyed that. We carried Mike Mayock's press conference. And how's this sound for an hour? Top of the hour, Paul Gutierrez, ESPN. Steph McKenzie, who we always have on. And... We, got, we heard back Peter King. Peter King. That's an hour of radio. My vision. My vision for Raider Nation Radio in my day part. Give you the best guest. Give you the best insight. And get some calls going here on the show. We appreciate it. 702-365-9200. Rich in Oakland, you're back. Go ahead, Rich. What do you got? Yeah, JT. So we were talking about Lynn Bowden. You know, mm-hmm. first of all, uh, Mayock was making excuses that for the reason they drafted him or they didn't get enough eyes on him or whatever the case is, you don't draft uh, a player in the third round for him to switch positions. That's first of all. Damon Arnett, you draft him in the first round. That's a reach. Uh, Henry Ruggs, draft the best wide receiver in the draft. You don't do that. Mayock and Gruden need to get it together, all right? That's period. No excuses going into 2021. You need to draft better. You need to get better in free agency. You know, it's about time. If you're going to roll with Derek Carr, then roll with Derek Carr. But we're going on year eight. He needs to win, period. So get him a defense. Get things in order. And it's just like it seems like we're a joke. You hire two TV personalities to run your franchise. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to disrespect Gruden or Mayock. You know, I love Gruden. We go way back. But if you think about it, Gruden's been collapsing since the, since the old days. Okay? So he's been – he knows, and that's what he does, is collapse. Late season collapses. He starts off good, and it collapses towards the end. And uh, Al Davis, that's why he got rid of him. You know, and Al Davis would have been got rid of Derek Carr, but I'm not going to slander Derek Carr right now. Let's ask the real question. Why are ex-Raider players – Knowing that, like, John, Jonathan Feliciano, the guard, who used to play with us, he tweeted, I know that Gabe Jackson is happy that he left. You know, he put, I know he's happy AF right Yeah, now. I, I, listen, listen, I want to, let me jump in. You made, a, you made a lot of points that I'm comfortable with you saying on the air about draft picks that haven't worked out. 
John Gruden was a brilliant television personality because he had a Super Bowl ring and did great at both those things. And when it comes to free agents, they got to do a better job, and they got to do a better job in the draft. And Mike Mayock talked about that for 30 minutes. We'll get into that with Paul Gutierrez. But, you know, a journeyman offensive lineman saying something about another offensive lineman because he's on a new team, that doesn't hold a bucket of water to me. 